back for another edition. Chris is back. I'm here. For another edition of the Half Doing Club my job Press. this time. Right, right. You don't have to force Tony to sit in your seat. Tony did a great job. Tony's better at this than I am. He used to be a radio guy. Did you know that? Um, I'm not surprised. I didn't know that. John Neatawa here, Chris Hetty here for the Half Court Press Championship Week edition. This is our week. These two, this is us. This is what... This is, this this is, is why we came to be yeah. on this podcast, I yeah. think, just to talk basketball when um, it mattered most and it was the most fun yeah. time of year. I like whenever everyone decides that basketball is important again. Don't you just feel it? Can't you yeah. just feel people being like, oh, yeah, college basketball. Let's really, really pay attention to every little thing about it. Right. And yesterday, well, we're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. So Sunday, I just sat down. You had, you had a game to cover, but I was sitting on my couch just watching phenomenal yeah. basketball, thrilling I moments. That, yeah, I did um, that Saturday, did too. Did you do that on Saturday? Yeah. yeah, there's just... It's great. Um, it's that time of year, and it feels great. So we are going to talk about a lot of different things. Obviously, um, there's plenty of news topics that relate to the local teams. Let's start with Sunday, though. Yeah. What happened at Pinnacle, Pinnacle, Pinnacle Bank Arena, PBA? I, I, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure I'm not how to process that. Me neither. I... Uh... There are times when like something will happen and you know I have to write a story that goes up immediately after the game, right? And so I'm always writing or like during timeouts and all this stuff. And whenever crazy things happen, I shut down because I don't know what to write because I don't know how to explain what just happened. And I think all of overtime, I was just staring at the game and staring at my screen and being like, how am I supposed to tell people what just happened? Because mm-hmm. it, do- it doesn't make sense to me, and it's not going to make sense to them. If I tell them that Nebraska made nine straight shots to force overtime, came down from 16, they were down nine with 236 left, and they're just about to win. And the guy that just scored apparently had a, you know, a serious knee injury, because right. we just found out today. Amir Harris um, is, is... He's it, probably he's out, yeah. He's probably out. It's so weird, though. it was unbelievable. Me, I mean, it was do one. You get this. This is maybe a little bit too inside baseball, but like yeah. a lot of times, as you say, as writers were sitting courtside following a game, and and we're usually tasked with typing out a, a game story as soon as the game ends, sending it so they can post it online. I feel like a lot of times when those games end in sort of a chaotic or or the the thing flips at the end, mm-hmm. I don't. I have a hard time realizing or seeing the path of that occurring because yeah. I, in my mind, I'm framed, my mind is framed toward, for example, when Creighton's ahead by five against Marquette, I'm yeah. writing a story that says Creighton has won this game and here's why. Yeah. And then suddenly it changes and yeah. you're trying to. You have to completely change your entire mindset. Yeah. yeah because my, I, I'm, I'm constantly looking as things play out, you're looking for, all right, why did Creighton win? Let's support that narrative yeah. with different things that happened. And even though, oh, okay, uh, they Marquette tips in a, a pass, and yeah. now they're only down three with point eight left. Doesn't but then, matter. But, but then or, you add in like Marquette got it down to three, but Creighton made free throws. Yeah, at the end, right. It you doesn't. Know? Right. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really matter. You're still thinking about the the bigger story. Yeah. And then suddenly something happens amazing mm-hmm. or that you unexpected, and then it's for me. It's like a heart. It, I wish that I could just sort of step back. Yeah. And, um, analyze it from all angles. And maybe I mean, that's, that's what, just part of a maturation of, of sports writing. But. Well, it's what you get to do for your actual gamer. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, true after so, the fact. Yeah, so our yeah. media gamer is just kind of... What I did. I sent, what I sent in was like the final two minutes of regulation in overtime. Because basically what I wanted to say was like, 
hey, here's what happened, just play by play. I'll explain the, the rest later. Right. Like, I'll get into it later. So, uh, probably the most improbable thing I've ever covered. I have no idea how Nebraska won. None mm. whatsoever. This is a team that in that arena shot 21% against Maryland. They made 10 of their final 11 shots and beat Iowa. Doesn't make any sense. And they especially did it with Isaiah Roby, Isaac Copeland, Thomas Allen on the bench, and Nana Kinton wasn't even with the team. So they did it with Johnny Trueblood, uh, walk-on, who has not played all year, maybe been in two games, played 26 minutes. Uh, you've got Amir Harris, who was out for a month this year, sick, and Thor, who has played sparingly, but like makes the game-saving block and starts celebrating before the ball even hits the ground, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was great. Um, and you also have that on top of... Did he know that was coming, by the way? Because that was, if not, I it was they did. pretty I, good awareness by I him. I tell you to what, Nebraska make that block because that was. I thought it was a clever play. It was, and and he was right there. But so I don't know if he just Iowa has or, played in so many close games that Nebraska had them scouted to a T on what they were going to do. The I mean, they had a hard time. Iowa had a hard time inbounding the ball, and they even tried their little trickery, like one guy runs out of bounds, you throw it. You know, to the other guy, at, while you're out of bounds, you throw it to the other guy, and then you jump in, and then, they, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's how they'll get, like, Bohannon so you can go to the free throw line. But Nebraska snuck it, like, snuff it out. Um, it was unbelievable. And, and especially when you put it in the larger context of, you know, what if this was Tim Miles' final game at Pinnacle Bank Arena? Um, what a game that would be a potential send-off, you to, know? Just all the elements of it was, it was astonishing. To be honest, man, I was watching it, and, like, a part of me is in awe of the competitive spirit and you know that no quit attitude that the players showed, and you're just kind of like, "Wow, great win! What a testament to re- their resilience." But other part of me is just kind of frustrated and like, "Where has this been? Like, why couldn't this team find this sort of?" Can I say the word desperation? Can yeah. I say it like that? Absolutely, that level of just laying it all out there, maybe it's just an edge. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we have not seen that from this team hardly at all this year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and man, it, it, I left that – or I got done watching that game, I'm just thinking, dude, what if they would have played like that against Penn State? Or what if they would have played like that against Rutgers? Like, even the games that they didn't um, – even, even games where they weren't necessarily – in the games where they were clearly the better team, I guess, mm-hmm. is the ones that I look back and think, gosh, you really missed that opportunity. I don't know. That, that, that... I have some really good news for you. Okay. Okay. Go on. Um, you have just explained perfectly what it is to be a Nebraska basketball fan. In, <laughs> well, in, that's pretty agonizing. In, in joy, in a, in a great win, in joy, you find sadness. <laughs> and that is being a Nebraska basketball fan. Uh, Here's the thing about the, this team. They show up when they have to. They show up for the big game. Creighton, Seton Hall, Clemson, uh, Iowa, Indiana on the road. Big games that they understand mean a lot. Michigan State. Michigan I mean, they, State. Are, they showed up for that game, for sure. Games that didn't mean as much to them in the moment because they didn't see the larger picture. Games that they thought they could walk into the arena and just win easily. They lost. Penn State, Rutgers up against Minnesota, up against Maryland, points where it's like you just got to lock down right now. And that's that's what basically sunk the season. Now there are other reasons, injuries and things of that nature. But 
yeah, there is kind of the element of, you know, I was the um the Michigan State game. You know, Roby plays really well. Palmer plays really well. Watson plays really well, and they lose by you know fifteen. But I came away from that game thinking, man, what if they had Copeland and, and Thomas Allen? Like that's twenty points right there. They win. Mm-hmm. Last night, I'm thinking, you know, man, that's the same type of thing of like, man, what if they brought this type? I kind of wrote that for the Creighton game. I have to the Creighton game of like, if they can play like this. If they can bottle this up and go to Rutgers, go to Penn State, go to Illinois, if they can bottle up this type of play and just place it somewhere in February and March, then they're going to be in a great situation. Yeah. But they never did. I don't know if they replicated that type of fight that they did at Creighton, against Creighton than Indiana and maybe last night. That was sort of like the only two moments where you can kind of sense that yeah. that level of urgency, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And there was, um, I tried to explain it to Michael today, but he didn't understand. He, I was surprised he didn't get this. Have you seen the video of Kevin Durant at Rucker Park? Yeah, yeah. Where he just like tears the place apart. Yeah. Because he makes like seven threes in a row. That was Glenn Watson and James Palmer at the end of the Iowa game. I mean, it was basically like, you know they're going to shoot it, but Iowa didn't do anything. I mean, they kind of ran at them, but like didn't contest them at all. I have no idea. They probably just thought they were going to miss. I, I don't probably, know. Probably. I, I have no idea why after they both made one. Well, yeah, they, if I'm Frame McCaffrey, I don't know why I'm like, all right, hey, you're face guarding both of these well, guys. Usually and we're going to make Johnny Trueblood shoot. Yeah, no threes. Don't yeah. give up threes, even to guys that don't necessarily, yeah. they haven't shot it well lately, but yeah. still, it's it was, their last game. Or, yeah, it's their last, right, it's senior day. So, yeah. They're going to lay it all out there. I what, don't know. What, at what when you're sitting on the couch watching that game, right? It's 70 to 61. After Bohannon hits that, oh, three. I turned it. I turned it off, did and you? I had to go back to it after it was like, oh, what, what was that? When did you turn it back on? Um. So uh, when did they? Uh, I don't know, remember the time. It's whenever they got within five. Seventy sixty five. Yes, seventy sixty five. So, so that Trouble was like steals it. That was right. probably like a minute and a half later. Mm-hmm. So it was probably like five. I think there was a TV timeout maybe in the middle, but there was a little. I mean, there was a span where. Bohanna hits that shot. They kind of go back and forth, and finally Roby scores, and then they steal and score right. again. So it was seventy sixty five. Yeah, and then there was a timeout. So someone probably texted you like, "Hey, you should probably turn it back on." Well, I saw the tweets. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, okay." I yeah. guess. Because uh, I had, I think I had switched over to Missouri Valley Championship or something. Yeah, and yeah. And like, the, oh, weird, we, the weird thing yeah. is, is that I was thinking about this today. This is as good. <laughs> this is as good as Nebraska fans have felt in a long time, right? Their team was also 16 and 15, and they finished 13th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a symbolic, you know, moment where you can feel as great as you want, but still the reality of the larger picture. Like, people are, you know, in the moment, you can, you can think, oh, this is great and all these great things. You know, maybe, you know, they keep 10 miles. Maybe we can make a run in the Big Ten tournament, yeah. all these things. But you also have to take a step back and be like, all right, 16 to 15, still have all these losses that are really, you know, black marks on your resume. And so it's an interesting time. I mean, I think the regular season did in a, <laughs> in a crazy way that I, if you would have told me a week ago, Giant Trubo is going to get 26 minutes and Nebraska's going to win. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I'd have told you you were crazy. No way. Yeah. And, yeah, so I I would I'd imagine there's this is what it feels like to be a Nebraska fan. That was a funny line by you. I, I, but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, though? if that's it. I, but I I I don't know how you don't feel sort of um, just. I almost feel like 
There's a frustration. It's not, it's not yeah, there's a frustration. Yeah. I was thinking it's I don't feel I don't necessarily feel cheated, but I almost feel like um like there was more. Maybe that is how I feel. It, it just feels like this team could have done so much more. They just didn't reach their potential, I guess is the way yeah, it's what I'm settling on. But like yeah. I, I I'm you know, I've analyzed the NCAA bubble like crazy over the last week because I cover Creighton, obviously, and right. the Jays are on it just barely. Um and Nebraska's not that far away from you it. You said when we walked in here, one game. I was thinking one game. I mean, they're 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 sixteen and fifteen overall. One of those wins is against a D two or D three team, whatever. So it, it makes wasn't. them seventeen and fourteen. Yeah. So if if but if it's one game, they're seventeen and fourteen or sixteen and fourteen against D one teams. Um, Indiana's seventeen and fourteen. Indiana's yeah. on the bubble. Texas is sixteen and fifteen. Texas is on the bubble. Um, Florida's seventeen and fourteen. They're on the bubble. Yeah. I like any. I feel like any game, if you would have flipped it, but certainly, um, a game against a top tier team. Yeah, well, anybody, probably anybody in the Big Ten besides like Northwestern, mm-hmm. Rutgers, Illinois, Penn State. But then again, if you would have, if 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 you well, technically Rutgers and Illinois, those losses are still quad two losses. That's which true. Is yeah, you're probably okay. Crazy. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's weird. I think, think the only what the only quad three game that Nebraska played in league play was that Northwestern. Yeah, was I think that even so. a quad three game? I don't I'm even know sure. if it was. I'm not sure. So it doesn't necessarily ding you that much, but you could you'd have less you, you want to have that quality or that bad loss yeah. even though it's not that bad of a loss to lose a records in illinois because of the way those teams have like found a way to mm-hmm. and, and penn state too the way that those teams have have finished the year and the metrics look pretty good on them so for for they look good for bottom tier major right, conference right, teams like right these- it's just it's interesting because i think that there were like four or five different times that you could have said, all right, Nebraska season's over mm-hmm. and trying to have been right, right? You could, like, people were trying to do it at, like, the Minnesota game. They are like, ah, this team doesn't have it. This, man, this is done. Uh, I think there were a couple losses in there where it was like, all right, this is done. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out when the season really was over, when it was really officially done. But, but the, the argument that they made on Sunday was like, we're not done. But right. maybe, but, but, yeah. Then Amir Harris gets or, yeah, hurt. Right. So... So if you haven't seen, and this is about go up today, and and we'll get a, a full report tomorrow. But Amir Harris, um, he um, did something to his knee last night, and he got an MRI at one o'clock today. So this is Monday. So we'll hear from Tim Miles tomorrow about what he saw. But Amir Harris was on crutches today, which is interesting because he wasn't last night. He seemed completely fine last night. He didn't play for about sixteen minutes in the second half, but I didn't think oh you know me Harris isn't playing he's hurt um but and he was walking fine after the game like everything mm. was, he was dancing in the middle of the like everything was right, fine right. um adrenaline but some, but, I guess, right and then something. sometimes you know when you get hurt and you wake up the next morning and it just yeah. kills like that's probably what happened it's my it's my theory um so he's probably out which means that Nebraska's current roster that they can play and will play against Rutgers is Glenn Watson James Palmer Isaiah Roby Thor Tanner Borkart, off the bench, Johnny Trueblood, and Brady Hyman. Hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's what they're going to throw. And then you've got Justin Costello on the on the very end of the bench. That's not. And easy. so you got to go. And so that's the thing where it's like, all right, did a did 
is that the end of the season? Because maybe, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, you can do this. Yeah. Or or if kind of Isaac like, Copeland gets hurt, was yeah. that the end of the season? Maryland? Or, Maryland? Was that the moment? No, because that was only their fourth loss, I think. I, I think it's... Not, not at Maryland. Maryland at home. When uh, Bruno oh, did that. Oh, yeah, no, that was it. Bruno did that thing. I think the end, I think the end of the season was marked by, or by uh, Glenn Watson shooting alone in, the, in an empty arena. Yeah. That was the moment. I, that was the... So here's the interesting thing about the Big Ten tournament, okay? But what's funny about it is, like, even though that did feel like, okay, stamp it, yeah. we know what this team is, like, technically, they weren't out of it yet. Right. And they still right. technically are not out of it. It's right. just, you know. Now it's even more, it's so, even harder because Namir Harris right. is hurt. Can, I guess the improbability factor of the win against, maybe put it in these terms, the pro- improbability factor, um, how crazy of what Nebraska had to do to win that, come back and win that game. Yeah. Um, just go ahead and whatever statistic that is, whatever, however you want to measure how unlikely that was. You apply that to the Big Ten tournament, and like that's right. how that's how crazy. <laughs> Multiply it by a yeah. hundred. Yeah, yeah. That's what, how yeah. crazy things yeah. have to be from Nebraska to make this run with its depleted roster and where it sits in the field, right? And to the, get back into the, the NCAA tournament the picture, but it's like it's still technically not out of it because, like we just said, I mean, Indiana is. Indiana lost 11 of 12 games. Yeah. <laughs> they lost 11 of 12 games, and they're on the bubble. Right. It's not unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the, the, the thing it's that's insane. interesting, too, I think you can make an argument that the Rutgers game after the Copeland injury was kind of the beginning of the end because it was kind of like, all right, well, oh yeah, this is starting. This. So, so here's the interesting part, okay? You've got, um, you've got Rutgers next, and Rutgers was kind of the beginning of the end. Because after that, you could tell that there was something seriously wrong with this team. If they beat Rutgers, then they have Maryland, mm. which you could argue was the other rock bottom where they only had. So, like, they've got two opportunities to redeem themselves in some ways. Now, again, it's significantly harder because Amir Harris is now hurt. Right. Um, we might as well, we're talking about the Big Ten tournament. We might as well just, like, make some predictions. Okay. Yeah, we can do that now if you want. What, uh, trying to pull up the bracket here. I feel like, uh, if I had to pick a team that, honestly, it's it's very hard to know how this how this uh, how how this league is going to play out. But I, it's it's a great it's going to be great. I think I think the whole tournament's going to be really interesting. It doesn't a lot, a lot of times you feel like oh well, just pick the team that looks like it's somewhat having it's somewhat figured things out and yeah. and it'll be yeah. I mean, like, to me, some of the teams that have played the best are not the teams at the top. Yeah, I think, I think Michigan, uh, State, Purdue, Michigan, they've played decent, but Wisconsin not, hasn't. Right, not great lately. Yeah, the team. It feels like teams like Indiana and Penn State and Illinois. Yeah, have like as equal of a shot. That I think Indiana and I think Indiana and Penn State could beat Michigan State or Purdue if they win their first round game. Right. Like I, I have no doubt in my Penn State could make it to the semifinals easily. Yeah. Like they I they're playing borderline as good as anybody else. And so, and so like that could break the whole thing wide open. And I think I, I think that we're setting up the, the bracket sets up for a Michigan State Michigan rematch again. If we know see if Michigan can actually knock off Michigan State. But this league is so weird. And so many odd things have happened that I almost guarantee that doesn't happen. Right. Like, that just feels like it's too easy. I mean, if Indiana beats Ohio State 
and has to play Michigan and plays Michigan City. Like, there's no way Indiana can beat Michigan State three times, right? Like, <laughs> okay, but here's the thing though that's an 11 a.m. game, man. <laughs> Weird things happen before noon, yeah. you know, and like. You know, like there could just be something where it's like, all right, March is going to be Romeo Langford's month. Like, all right, this is why we recruited you here. You know, and sometimes that's what it is. It's just about a player, a top tier player, just being a baller, being a dude. Yeah, yeah. And like Cassius Winston is like pretty. I mean, he's obviously great. He's, I think, Big Ten Player of the Year. I think think they just announced. I think they just announced it somewhere. Um, but he uh. He's kind of worn down. He's played a lot of minutes. Definitely. His knee is kind of bothering him. Wouldn't be the uh, seriously. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Michigan State if they lost. All right. Early. If you had to pick a top four seed to win, who would you pick? Michigan State, Wisconsin, Purdue, or Michigan? Probably Purdue. I like Purdue a lot, and that's partly because Carson Edwards. It's Carson Edwards and he's, kind of a bunch been of slumping though. Kind lately. of a bunch of nobody. Carson's been slumping but a little you need bit. A good guard. You need a good guard. Yeah. And. Michigan State, they get Nick Ward back, and Cassius Winston's playing really well. Yeah. But I think that the final couple of games, I think, I think they, they looked kind of bumpy. I'm going to lean toward Michigan. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's – I like, B- I like Michigan too. Beeline in the last couple of years in tournament settings yeah. has just been hot. Yeah, yeah. Lucky at times, yeah. but hot. So well, I'm going to yeah. go – I'm going to give – I'm going to go with Michigan. What about, what about the – Okay, yeah, no, bottom – Well, I was going to do the yeah, – the, yeah, we could just do the rest. Who do you think in the rest could make a run? Yeah, like if you had to pick, a, could make it to the final. Maybe right. not win, but make it to the final. Or yeah, um, well, I don't know. It feel, feels like Penn State could, but then that that would nullify my Michigan pick. But still, so Penn State would have Penn to beat State, Minnesota, Purdue, and probably Michigan. Right. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you know Indiana and Ohio State. That game feels like a uh, de facto playing game for the NCAA tournament. When mm-hmm. you're still in the bubble, lose, mm-hmm. you're out. Mm-hmm. So. Whoever wins that game, maybe because they're playing, they're playing with their war. life on the line type yeah. thing, and sometimes you see a team like that make a run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Indiana has an easier route because they have they have Ohio State, and Ohio State's okay, not great. You slumping. Have, Ohio you, State's you lost have, like three. You have in a row, Michigan State, and I think Michigan State's really good, but I, again, I just think that they're going to be kind of worn down after the the slate that they had. Yeah. And then you're going to have either Wisconsin. Or Maryland, who I'm not impressed with either of those really right at this second. So I think Indiana could maybe make it to the final and play Indiana-Penn State final, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm all for it. It should be a lot of fun. I think fun. it'll be fun. Nebraska's, yeah. Nebraska's got Rutgers first game, 530. If they win, they play Maryland. If they win that game, they'd play Wisconsin. Right. Um, Obviously, it, I mean... That's tough. I, a, lot of, a lot of eyeballs are probably going to be on Tim Miles at, yeah, that's at, true. in Chicago totally because... I mean, his his job is definitely in jeopardy, and, yeah. and there's a lot of uncertainty as to whether or not he's coming back. And it feels like, because we've talked about this, that that um, even in this podcast, we've sort of hinted at the idea that this season has, and it's definitely turned in a negative way. And mm-hmm. in year seven, this is not the the uh, the outcome that many were expecting, including Tim. So it appears that he's not going to be with the team after the season, right? So is this his last ride? And how does that right. affect the group? Right. And will it last longer than a couple hours? Right. I mean, here's the thing. If they lose to Rutgers, it's pretty symbolic. Because I think a lot of people, myself included, they look at Rutgers as, you know, kind of the bottom of the barrel of the Big Ten. And it's not it's because their sports are, have been historically pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if they lose to Rutgers in the first round, it's going to kind of be 
you know, man, you can't even beat Rutgers. This is where the program is. That's what that's what the narrative would be. Um, and it would be completely fair. Um, Tim Miles would also finish with an exactly 500 record. He'd be on 113 yeah. and 113. Um, now, if he wins, I think that you credit. I think if they if they win that game, you credit Miles' coaching. You credit how much the guys clearly like Miles because you fight for your coach. I mean, what we saw last night at Iowa, part of that's because the because their coach. Yeah. You don't fight like that if you hate your coach. And I think that uh, there's been some, you know, oh, has Miles lost the locker room? That didn't look like a team that didn't that lost the locker room. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that it's, again, it's another way of like, all right, Miles, if you want to keep your job, take this team to the final. Now do something that the best coaching job that you've ever done in your entire right. life. Yeah, and so, like, up. it's kind of like, again, the whole season of, you know, hey, prove it. Yeah, with, like, five players available. Right, I, yeah, I, basically. It, um, one, two, three, four, five. They have to win five. <laughs> win five and you're in the tournament. So, I mean, yeah, I think that, I think that it's, it's not really a secret that, that his job is definitely on the line yeah. and that this might be his last time in, in Chicago, um, which is why I think that if that's, that ends up being the case, that Iowa game was so cathartic because I think that, it was good for him, good for the coaching staff, good for the players that, you know, the season has been so depressing and at least they can have like that to lean you got on. A moment. They can look back on yeah. the season and not just think, oh, that was the season that I hated everything. They mm-hmm. can, I mean, the Iowa game was really, was really cool, you know? Right. So we'll, we'll see what happens in Chicago. I fly out there. That's interesting. Wednesday. It's almost like the, that, that game has, it'll have a special meaning more for the players and the coaches involved than if, if things end up, um, where Nebraska's hiring a new coach at the end of the year. Yeah. Like that game will kind of sit with them a little bit more so than maybe the fans who yeah. had kind of already moved on. It almost like it, it in a weird way it almost makes it almost makes it okay to fire Tim Miles. You know what I mean? Like it almost feels like an even cleaner break. Mm. Where you get like if they decide to go that way, it almost feels like with Miles and the coaching staff and the players, like obviously they'd be upset. I mean, I'm not saying that. But I think because it was the last game of the year, because of how it happened, I think that there will be less of a sense of like hopelessness and more of kind of like, yeah, I get it, but man, we had fun, right? Yeah. That's going to, I think, going to be kind of the And it also kind of at least um, suggests the, the idea and maybe, maybe even proves the idea that, that uh, or the thought that, it really isn't as broken as maybe. Yeah, that's we, fair. Some might have thought. Yeah, as, I think. As you I think that's. To early, yeah, I think so. that's completely fair. Um, Nebraska, as you said, you're leaving and heading out there this week. They play Rutgers at five thirty p.m. First game of the tournament in United in Center, Chicago. Yeah, United Center. Go go see the MJ statue. There you go. Yeah. Have you been to United Center? You know what? I don't think I actually have. Yeah, I haven't either been to chicago a lot but i don't think i've ever been to United really Center. it's uh hmm. yeah yeah it'll be fun um down on the magnificent mile gonna get there well, at 6 45 or is sorry that what you're gonna say are you staying down there uh there's uh i'm not staying at the media hotel but i'm staying at the hotel right next to the media hotel. Oh, yeah well that's um, how we do but yeah i mean it's right down so i, I didn't realize this and this is inside baseball but uh the united center is like equidistant between midway and o'hare so I was trying to figure out what, oh, where, where to, to like fly in, fly in. Yeah, yeah. and it was like exactly thirty minutes from both of them. The I was only, like, oh, huh, the only thing okay. that stinks is it's kind of in the middle of nothing. Yeah, you know, it's just sort of there. Yeah. Kind of like, attached. well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like Wrigley, but Wrigley's in the middle of a neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, you'll have fun. That'll yeah. be cool. I, the Big Ten tournament to me is is uh, I, I guess I've only attended it when it's been in Indianapolis. Now that I think yeah. about it, but I've always had a blast when I've been there. So yeah. Um, maybe let's just we we're talking about the Big Ten tournament. Let's just transition to the Big East, and then we can use that to talk a little bit we'll about where Creighton okay. stands. We'll go but, the opposite way. Um, yeah. So the Big East tournament is going to be probably even more unpredictable than you're the Big Apple, right? Yes. Nice. Madison Square Garden. That'd be great. But I don't know. I honestly have no idea, um, no clue how to predict this thing. Like this, this. Uh, if you've followed Biggie's, here's the stat. Yeah. Every team, now that since St. John's lost uh, its final game, every team in the conference, with the excep- exception of Georgetown, has suffered a three-game losing streak. I think I saw that. It used to be every team had gone for a two-game losing streak, yeah. at least, except for like St. John's and Georgetown. But huh. now St. John's has lost three in a row. So every team has lost three in a row, three in a row at some point this year. Yeah. Um, multiple teams have gone four, four losses in a row, Creighton yeah. being one, Marquette just now. Uh, they're on a four-game losing streak. Seton Hall lost four in a row. Um, shoot, I think DePaul might have lost it. I know Xavier lost six in a row. Um, so... Here is my question. I, I don't know. Is everybody good or is nobody good? Everyone's, I think everyone's mediocre. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Because I can't, I'm with you, man. I can't figure out, like, it was also crazy to me. Where did Creighton end up finishing? Fifth? Well, tied for third. Tied for third? Yeah. And they were, what, ninth? Like, two days before the season was over? <laughs> like, they won a game and then they bumped up, like, five spots. <laughs> yeah. They they definitely, they, they showed this thing. It, it was like, um, they were saying if the tournament started today, here's where teams would be seated. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, why are you even showing this? Because it's <laughs> right. going to change with it. It was, it was the final day on Saturday, all mm-hmm. the big East teams played. And so you had 10 teams in action and nobody, when the day started, no one's seed was set. So, huh. um, that's unbelievable. It, it, isn't it? A lot of things were going to happen, but yeah. And so I'm watching like Marquette Georgetown. They're like, this is where the tournament field would be if it ended today or ended right now. And I'm like, why even show that? Because everything's going to change as soon as this game goes final. <laughs> right. So no need. But yeah, Creighton going into the day before game started was had the potential to be three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. <laughs> That's the best. Um, so Creighton ends up being the five seed, playing Xavier. Uh, Villanova is the one, won the title outright because Marquette lost four in a row to end the year. All Marquette had to do was win man. one game. Weird, in man. Final four. Marquette's a bizarre team, yeah. aren't they? I think I, the Big East to me it does it feels like a lot of um, a lot of Iowa's a lot of Wisconsin's you know maybe yeah. not even maybe that's too giving them too much credit a lot of uh, it, Ohio State's Indiana's yeah a lot of Minnesota Nebraska and Iowa. Minnesota yeah, yeah. yeah like I think that they have the the entire conference feels like it's the middle of the Big Ten yeah uh, don't obviously have the top tier teams like Purdue Michigan State and Michigan but also doesn't the league doesn't have the bottom team like Northwestern. Right. Um it doesn't have the bottom teams in the like the ACC does where it's Wake Forest and Georgia Tech at the at the very bottom. Um Vanderbilt in the SEC, the worst team is I guess Butler is the 10 seed. No, Butler's a 9. DePaul, DePaul is the 10 seed mm-hmm. and DePaul has just it won more conference games this year than it has in like a decade. Really? So wow. DePaul's way better than it normally is and And St. John's was like 10th earlier this year weren't they <laughs> st john's st john's long story <laughs> with st john's but 
Uh, yeah, St. John's is the seven pointing to Paul. And, and St. John's is going to be fighting for its NCAA tournament life. So mm-hmm. what you get is you essentially, instead of, you know, last year and the year before when the Big East sent six teams in a year ago and seven teams in the year before that, uh, maybe one team was going in fighting for its NCAA tournament life. And, um, and then certain, obviously the, the bottom tier teams in the conference were, it was a winner go home for them too. But mm-hmm. the majority of the league going to New York City, playing in Madison Square Garden, knew, where, knew that it was going to be playing NCAA tournament basketball after this. And so right. uh, while the urgency was high to win a championship, it wasn't necessarily a desperation level where you knew if we don't win, we're not going to get where we want to be. Right. I feel like this year you're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah, and that's could lead and that's to, more fun, right? It like could that, lead to that's that's when some, you don't get like the Michigan State, which is what I'm talking about. Of like, if they lose, it's not the end of the world. They're going to mm-hmm. be a two seed no matter what. Right. What you've got with this is even Villanova. I feel like is going to be. I mean, they're obviously in the tournament. They're but in, they're fighting for a seed. They, you know? they are, and Marquette is too because yeah. it's just lost four in a row, and you don't want to go into Selection Sunday having lost five in a row or five of your last six, mm-hmm. and and suddenly everything everybody's pointing at. Okay, well, what everything you did prior to that. Does this? Do we have to reset who we think you are? Type right, thing? right, right. Um. So Villanova and Marquette have something to play for, but then after that, I mean, I think Seton Hall's probably in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, probably. But um, after that, we're talking about Xavier, Creighton, Georgetown, St. John's. It feels like Creighton and St. John's are the only two teams that could play themselves into the at-large conversation by mm-hmm. winning games. But um, even J- Xavier and Georgetown aren't completely dead yet. So maybe they'd have an argument if they made it to the final. But those teams, and then Butler, Providence, DePaul, obviously um, they're at the bottom, but they're also capable. I mean, um, these are these are teams that have shown. I mean, DePaul blew out Georgetown, and then three days later, Georgetown wins at Marquette. So right? Like yeah, the, that's a perfect DePaul, example. DePaul's two and zero against St. John's. St. John's is two and zero against Marquette. Mm-hmm. I mean, this every. It it does the difference between the ten seed and the one seed is not very great. It's mm-hmm. probably as slim a margin. I feel like it's well, certainly in any major conference, but it feels like almost. I mean, we're talk. I was talking to Tony Boone the other day, and he was. We were talking a little bit about the Summit League and how a lot of times in these smaller conferences, you know, the gap between the top and the bottom is very small. Like the Big East feels like that. Yeah, it does. Um, because it doesn't have that elite team, and, right. and the bottom isn't as bad as it normally is. So. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't either. I, I don't know. I, and I'm looking at it too. You know, you talk about St. John's and Creighton. I was just comparing St. John's and Creighton. Who would you rather be, St. John's or Creighton, right in this tournament? So St. John's has to play DePaul. I think I'd rather be St. John's because I, I would too. Now f- you you're zero and two against DePaul. Yeah, but you. Uh, but it's hard to beat you, a team three right. times. You would yeah. think, and yeah. they're at home. St. John's, <laughs> right. this is a home court, right? Right, right. So you get revenge game against DePaul. Then you play a team in Marquette that's reeling and a team that you're 2-0 and against, obviously, right. so the other part ways in Marquette's going to be hungry to beat you. But it is a bad matchup for Marquette. Yeah, um, Mar- St. John's has the defensive yeah. player of the year in Justice Simon, and he shut down Marcus Howard twice in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd think that's going to happen again. So I don't know. I like their draw. Uh, Creighton's been Creighton's playing is harder. Creighton's been playing Creighton's well, but their but their first game is against a Xavier team that has been playing just as well. So mm-hmm. Creighton comes in with the longest winning streak in league play going into the tournament five in a row, but Xavier's won five of six. Yeah. So the Xavier lost its only loss during that stretch was uh a couple days ago against Butler on the road on senior night when the Bulldogs kind of just played really well. Mm-hmm. It's that's a tough I think that's going to be a tough challenge, and then you're potentially going to play Villanova. I was say, and then if you win, congratulations, you play Villanova. Yeah, you got like the that's... best. You got the best coach in the league yeah. who's going to scheme up to try to defeat you. 
So I would I would rather be St. John's given where how it all shakes out. Oh, yeah. But I do think right now, if you would ask me, I think Creighton has a better resume than St. John's. Yeah. And so Creighton may have to do less. That's than true. St. John's. Maybe one win gets him in rather mm-hmm. than two for St. John's. Right. But I don't know. That it's crazy looking at this bubble. Creighton's case is more nuanced than just looking at the numbers mm-hmm. because the Jays will contend that, you know, look, the, we did lose games that we shouldn't, we should have won. But if you look at road loss to Villanova, Marcus Zagorowski and Tyshawn Alexander weren't there. Road loss to Saint uh, to Seton Hall. Road loss to Xavier. Um, Marcus Zagorowski wasn't there. Um, Damian Jefferson got hurt in the second half against Marquette. Suddenly they lost their foreman, their rebounder. They gave up a ton of offensive boards. Marquette mm-hmm. came back. They still should have won the game, but mm-hmm. they still lost. And then he was out of the lineup for a long time. Uh, Connor Cashall, their senior grad transfer, helps with depth. Um, he, he missed a game, and, and uh, I, I, think he, I think he got hurt in the middle of the St. John's game and played like four seconds, mm-hmm. got, got a screen to the shoulder, and he was out. So... What Creighton will argue is like, we did lose games. You 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 have to. I mean, you take losses into the, to account. We right. will. Our resume gets dinged for that. But look at what we are when we're at full strength. Yeah, and that, we've won five in a row. And the thing is, is this isn't excuses either. This is like things that they look at. Like the, that, committee, right, the, committee, the committee will look at. That. And it's going to be the question is how much will it put? How much weight will it put to that? It'll get some right. credit. Creighton will yeah. for this. That idea that the injury conversation but how much credit i don't know well the thing is too though the committee likes and should like they like teams like there's a difference between indiana at 17 and 14 and ohio state i think they're at like i think maybe one more win it's like ohio state's falling off like they're they're kind of losing it right now and uh indiana's not indiana's playing as good as they've played they're gonna they're gonna like it they're gonna like an indiana i know here's my thing the the, the thing i always want about uh, for my committee this is the only thing i've ever wanted from the committee and in my entire life the only thing i've ever wanted just take the best teams that are playing at this exact second that you think can win a game i don't care what they did in november i don't care what they did in december take the team that's won six in a row in march in february and that's that that's the that's the argument for indiana that's going to be the argument for creighton right if, if Creighton can say, listen, I get it. We lost, you know, to Butler. And yeah, we kind of got our butt kicked and we shouldn't have. But we've won six of seven and we're playing as good as we are right this second. And the committee should be able to say, okay, cool. That, you know what? I could see you winning a game. Let's put you in as 11 or 10 or whatever. Um, and so I think that's a good argument Creighton has because they'll look at, at the losses and be like, all right, well, why did they lose these games? Okay, well, these guys are out. Well, they're not injured anymore, you know? Right. And so in a way, Creighton almost has an opportunity because everyone's healthy, correct? Healthier. Healthier. Not quite healthy, but healthier. But everyone's eligible to play. Like exactly. Everyone's there. In the lineup. So you basically, in a way, Creighton has set themselves up to, all right, beat Xavier, beat Villanova, or at least play. you can even play Villanova close. Mm-hmm. Lose by less than five. And I think that you can point and be like, look, this is what we're like in the, we can make the Sweet 16 if we play like this. Right. You know, theoretically. So I think that helps them too. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I will say is just last year, I think of Arizona State and Oklahoma, who basically Man. limped into the tournament. And they did it because of the strength of their non-conference. I know. So you'll see that yeah. from somebody here this year. I don't yeah. know who it's going to be, but somebody will have lost four of five or five of seven down the stretch and will still get in. The committee has said... It might oh, be Iowa. Maybe, yeah. 
Iowa. I think uh, people have talked about Iowa being on the bubble. I'm like, I don't think they're on the bubble because they're, they have 21 wins, yeah. but they've lost. I think, I think five in a row, five of six or something. And they just lost to a Nebraska team that's not going to make it, and that like probably looks pretty bad on their resume. I don't know if it looks really bad, it but it doesn't. Great. It doesn't look great. Yeah. No, it doesn't look great. But that, I, th- I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, oh, Iowa's probably going to get in, but they're going to. They've lost quite a few in a row. I know. I do this like I've done this like bubble watch thing for the last few days for Creighton, just kind of pointed out different games that I think Creighton fans should look at and, and monitor. And I've thought about including Iowa, but I just don't know if they're going to um, fall far enough onto the bubble. Who is their, who is their first? But they have, do lost, you have, do you they have, have big, lost four, five of six. Do you have the Big Ten tournament bracket yeah. up? Who's their first game? They're playing thinking, Northwestern. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. They'll play Illinois or Northwestern. Yeah, you lose one of those. They're probably, I, th- I yeah, think they, you lose one of those, you're out. I don't know. If they lose to Northwestern, oh boy. Okay, yeah, maybe if it lost to Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, um, But anyway, yeah, so we'll see what the committee does. I think the injury factor is big for Creighton. Um, Its strength of schedule will be rewarded. The selection committee over -hmm. over the last few years has typically um, given a team a boost or docked them if they've not, if they're a major conference team and they decide we're not going to schedule tough, they usually get, you usually take hits for that. Mm -hmm. Nebraska got hit for that last year. so that's in its favor, but you know the quad one record, its record against good teams, Creighton's record is not very good. I think the way I look at it, the Jays have beaten two teams that are NCAA tournament caliber um, in Clemson and Marquette. Mm-hmm. Now you can make an argument that maybe Georgetown fits that mold a little bit. What's the difference between Clemson and Georgetown? I don't know. Maybe do we not. know if Clemson's good yet? We, yeah, we just, are we sure I don't know. yet? Still don't know. Who do they play in the? As- I think they got NC State, which is like a yeah, that's sure. Winner yeah. gets in the NCAA yeah. tournament, loser goes to the yeah. NIT type game. Yeah. I think in the ACC tournament. But so there are some things that are are good for Creighton, but then obviously, yeah, and just the number of losses. You lose thirteen games. That, yeah, that, that hurts. That's a lot. Hey, here's even my- even even though none of them are bad losses, the worst yeah. loss is that. Xavier, which is top seventy-five in the in the NET, but they don't look. You know, thirteen losses is a lot of yeah. losses. What? Who do you take, Creighton or Belmont? Mm. People love Belmont. I know and they lost, and so they're not. They don't have an automatic right. bid. I would. But people I would, are real high on them. Yeah. So this is that. That'll be the question of Creighton versus Belmont versus Lipscomb. Um, Maybe UNC Greensboro if it yeah. loses. We're recording this on Monday, so UNCG plays Wofford um, tonight. So if UNC Greensboro were to lose, um, there's probably a couple other teams that I'm forgetting that are on the bubble. Probably I think the- I've seen Toledo on there. Um, I guess Furman a little bit. But, um, I, you know, my thought is is that I can go both ways because I yeah. see I see the argument for a a mid major team that um, has done what it's supposed to do. Sure. Like the mid major team is not going to be able to go out there and, and schedule five games against major conference teams yeah. in the non con yeah. and boost up its quad one like the number of games that it can play and mm-hmm. and, and its strength of schedule. It's, it's going to be capped. It can only go so high. Yeah. But I think if you're comparing a team like Creighton to Belmont. Um, because Creighton did go out and schedule really tough, mm-hmm. like Creighton did what it was supposed to do. Like, are you going to punish Creighton for losing the games that all, all these tough games that what you told them go go play this? Yeah, this, this tough schedule. Sure, you can argue. Well, they they had the opportunity to win them, they didn't. But but, but they still played them. Um, they played them, 
So my question is, is maybe the conversation shouldn't be about Creighton and Belmont. It should be more about like Creighton and TCU. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, or TCU and Belmont. The TCU played at, yeah. at, 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 I'm looking at Ken Palm right now. TCU's strength of schedule in the non-con was 190. Yeah. Um, you know, that maybe that's the conversation. Um, but again, if Creighton were to lose to Xavier at 18 and 14, and you compared that to a resume like what Belmont has at 26 yeah. and five, yeah. um, which at Belmont beat Lipscomb twice, has a loss to Green Bay, but, you know, has done what it's needed to do in yeah. Ohio Valley for the most part, except for loss in the, in the conference tournament. I don't know. I, I, you, I, I go back on the uh, back and forth because I definitely understand the argument of like major conference team. You know, they've had so many chances. Mm-hmm. If they can't do it, then why do give them why why, why reward the, them yeah. for that for yeah. their for their inability to take advantage of these opportunities? Yeah. But on the, on the other side, I'm like, well, if you gave me Belmont, if Belmont had Creighton's schedule, would Belmont be eight, Creighton's eighteen and thirteen? Would Belmont be eighteen and thirteen right yeah, now? Yeah, probably not. So there, I, I, it's just. I can see a Belmont being in the first region, just like when on Selection Sunday, they being like, and then the 13th seed, Belmont, every bubble team going, oh, Uh-oh. crap. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like some that's just, it happens every year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. But I, I think those are the kind of questions that the committee is going to have. And, and honestly, it, it kind of just depends on your perspective. So there's 10 committee members. What do they, what do they right. value? You right. know, who, what do they favor? Are, are, are they thinking like, hey, we want the the potential, and we want to reward. We want the potential of a mid major team like Belmont. We want to reward them for what they've done so far. They've done everything they can do as a school of mm-hmm. that caliber. Mm-hmm. Twenty six and five. Put them in because who knows? Maybe they can do it. We already know what Creighton's going to do. Right. Up and down. Right. Um. We already know what TCU is. We already know what Indiana is. Maybe yeah. let's go with the unknown a little bit and teams that have like played consistent ball for the majority of the season it's also an interesting season too because this is the first season i can remember where a team like buffalo or wofford are ranked for so long or Furman, and they're well yeah buffalo and wofford for sure are in no matter what right so but but, but i just mean like early 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 in the season yeah yeah voters in the AP and, and the coaches all decided Buffalo's good enough that we're going to rank them early. That hardly ever happens because then they'll, they'll lose one game and then they just, you forget about them. They become Belmonts where you have to actually have a conversation about them. So it's going to be interesting where like, obviously, I mean, Buffalo's obviously in, right? Yes. It's, it's, there's right. no doubt about that. Right. But like a year ago, it wasn't just that easy. People didn't know, oh yeah, Buffalo, oh yeah, they're definitely mm-hmm. in. You know, no one really knew who they were. And so it's interesting because there might, there might be more mid-majors in there because there, some of them are more household names. Like I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I just feel like this is the first time that everyone's collectively decided just because Buffalo or Furman or whatever a lower seed and are in a lower major conference, um, where they're good, we're going to rank them. It, we're going to let them in. You it know, it feels like there has been more of a national sort of push to try to credit mid majors. Yeah, and, and honestly, the NET. We still don't know exactly what this new metric is and and how it's calibrated, but it it has it has fit closer to the predictive metrics, mm-hmm. and I think has rewarded some mid major teams like a Wofford, like a Buffalo, um, like even Lipscomb or Belmont, who may not have gotten that same recognition 
from the RPI. And even if the RPI would have said, I don't know, I don't have the RPI numbers up, so I don't know what how it would have rated Lipscomb or Belmont or Buffalo mm-hmm. or Wofford. Mm-hmm. But even if it would have, if, if someone said, well, Wofford is 30th in the RPI, um, oh, who cares? Right. Like that's that's obviously a flaw. Like right, the RPI right, is right, messed right, up. It's right. archaic. That's not even legit at yeah. all. Um, but if I tell you, uh, Wofford is twentieth in Ken Palm. Yeah. And you know, top thirty in the NET, then there's legitimacy. It's stronger. To yeah. It it's, feels. It's a, yeah. So I wonder if that's one of the sort of results of the NET is that we're just seeing um, more. It's just confirming, I guess. Or it's certainly rewarding the mid-major teams, but maybe just confirming something that we knew about these guys already, which is that um, they're legit. I think you think real quick. You think of that Wichita State team that was seated. I think uh, I think they were were seated eight. Yeah, and they were they were top Gonzaga, right? They were like top fifteen in Ken Palm or something like that, or top twenty in Ken Palm. But they were seated very low, and everyone was like. Well, that's terrible. Right. But with the NET, they wouldn't have. They would have a higher RPI, higher rating. So thing. I think that that. Um, now we still don't understand the NET. It's flawed. Um, it's it does. You still have to interpret the data. Mm-hmm. You can't just like spit it out and say, "Well, you're twentieth in the NET. That means you deserve a five C. Yeah. Like, yeah, you you're good to go. That. Yeah, you have to analyze it. But I think it helps. It's gonna make legitimize. it. I I agree. I I think that it's gonna make it less likely that a team wins. At, in the NCAA tournament that you've never heard of before, like a, a loyal Chicago, where you're like, "What? They were good. Why didn't I pick them?" You know, like I feel like people are going to see Buffalo and they get Buffalo. They they're like, "Yeah, I've been hearing about them all year. I know this, I know that." And I feel like that Wichita State team that was an eight seed, they probably would have been like a three, like a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, what I'm saying. The Nebraska basketball team last year, they'd be in the tournament if the RPI wasn't around. If it was the NAT last year, right. Nebraska absolutely would have been in the tournament. You think last so? Year. Yeah. Absolutely. I think they would have been top 30. And so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it shakes out because I think this is an interesting moment for. Dude, this is, well, wow, this, this, is, this is 2015. Wichita was a seven seed as number 13 in Kempom. Now, this is the end of the year, Kempom. Still. So, like, they obviously rose. Um, but what's the 2013? Because I think that might have been that. That's probably not going to be 17. the best year. They were nine seeded and they were seventeen. Yeah, but the, but if you look at Ken Palm, like at the end of the year, they always true. You, true, you true, get true, credit true. for your win, so yeah. you rise up a little bit higher than. But anyway, that that was. But yeah, Wofford's fourteen in the NET. Buffalo is sixteen. If they were, if it was last year and Wofford was fourteen in the RPI and Buffalo was sixteen in the RPI, I think you would hear a lot more skepticism about the their legitimacy yeah. than you do now with the NAT because it falls closer in line mm-hmm. with the predictive ranking. So I'm fairly certain KU is still number one in the RPI, <laughs> they might be, which yeah. is just baffling. Don't right. guys, seriously, if you're listening to this, don't pick KU to go to the final four. It, don't even pick them to go to the lead. Right. It's not happening. All right. We've talked for a long time, but Sorry. I do think we do that, need to talk about, I do think yeah. we need to um, have a conversation about the, uh, the indictment that was released Thursday, filed Thursday, um, in which it accuses a Creighton assistant, Preston Murphy, of accepting a bribe, $6,000 bribe, in a meeting with an aspiring agent, the aspiring agent being Christian Dawkins. Christian Dawkins is under trial for, or or facing charges of bribery. He's already been convicted of fraud charges in regard to the first um, case that's that's a part of this probe. There are three cases 
that are going to be tried in federal court. One has already happened, I guess, and then um, th that happened in October, and the second one is going to happen here in April. So this indictment was released sort of, it was, uh, I guess, reconstructed, new, e new evidence was added, but it, these types, of, from what I understand, superseding indictments, you don't always have a tweak to certain facts or have, have facts added, but I do remember in the first case, they did issue a superseding indictment, um, didn't necessarily present new information like they did in this, in this second case, but mm -hmm. I, I guess it's not all surprised, not incredibly surprising to know that the government has more info, uh, more details that it can reference and that it unveiled some of them in this indictment. And the fact that it includes or it implicates Creighton in a, in a potential NCAA violation is what is news and relevant to us. Yeah. Um, so Preston Murphy's been suspended or placed on administrative leave pending an internal review. Um, and I would imagine that he stays, that status is, he stays suspended until the trial, honestly, because you don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I have limited facts here, but I feel like if you don't know all of the details, you probably want to wait until you find out more before you make a decision one way or the other. Were you surprised that they suspended him? No, no. You were not? No. Um, I'm, I'm, I've actually been surprised that we've not had more action taken based on some of the things that have been alleged, not in court. Now, okay, the, the Brian Bowen's dad took the stand and started dishing out things, mm -hmm. accusations, and, and made claims. And one of them was involving Creighton's. He said that Christian Dawkins told him that, you know, that Creighton was willing to offer my son money or offer our family, offer our family money, $100,000 and two jobs if he went to Creighton. That technically is hearsay because he heard it secondhand. Heard it secondhand. Yeah. But and so I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily feel that that's enough information. Um, to act on if you're a university. Because Creighton's not the only one that he brought up. Oklahoma right. State, Arizona, mm -hmm. um, Oregon. I, I, and I think it touched other places too because he, you know, DePaul has two assistants that he, he said gave his family money. Now, this is before they were assistants on DePaul's staff, but yeah. they gave him money. So not many people have taken action, but when things are being... They haven't taken action based on what has been said in court. Even yeah. TJ Gasnola, who was the Adidas bag man who took the stand and started like really laying it on. Um, uh, he roped in Kansas in a pretty damning manner yep. and NC state mm -hmm. and talked about Maryland and Arizona and Miami. Mm -hmm. um, but there was no, nobody, there's no, there was no suspensions right. or, or the only administrative the, leave. So the, I wasn't, I, I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying, though, is I think it's, it feels different because it's not a testimony from a witness. It's, a, it's evidence presented by the government that right. was attained during this two-year, three-year probe mm -hmm. into college basketball when they tapped phones, had video, video surveillance, um, conducted sting operations, right. seized bank records, and... Um, gathered all this evidence and now we're starting to see it um portions of it 
So to me, I think when it's in an indictment, it feels so no, while that is not, yeah, while that the indictment is not um, the end all be all, you are guilty, everything right, in here right. is the truth. Otherwise, if we would all be sent to jail after indictment, like the government said it, put together, puts together its case and it's like, here's what happened. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay, that's what you say. Then we're going to jail. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. So the indictment is one side of the story. We'll see what other facts we have. But um, it's a pretty, it feels like a pretty certain side. Like, like yeah. you, you usually don't see without, without enough well, the, evidence and support or, or reason why else would the government put it in, in a public domain in, in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a document that obviously is going to be referenced a ton during its next trial. Yeah, I think the reason why it felt so like heavy, like there was gravity to it, is for the Creighton fans that I know, and for people that I have talked to and know, um, a lot of it was kind of like, well, I'll, I'll believe it when there's proof. I'll believe it when there's something concrete. I'm just hearing hearsay, and I, I haven't heard anything. And this was the first time that at least I had seen, like, X, Y, Z. This person, this hotel room, this city, this coach, this amount of money. Like, I think when you connect all of those things together and you put it together and you say, this happened, that was the first time I think people went like, oh, this might be for real. Mm-hmm. And I also think, my second thought on this is I think that the suspension of Will Wade changed the game in a way where I think, because before, I mean, you think about the last couple months. I mean, we've known that LSU and Arizona, Kansas, like a lot of these high-profile schools have been under the microscope, and there's been a lot of allegations dude, going dude, out, TJ but nothing's Gass- happened. Yeah, TJ Gasnola, the Adidas backman, he said in court that he gave Forty grand to an assistant coach at NC State to give to a player or a player's right. trainer or right. something, right? Like, and nothing happens. Isn't that enough? To, well, then now to be fair, that assistant coach doesn't work for NC State anymore. Sure, but you would think like that would be that's enough, yeah. or or the text conversations that were um, that that Gasnola had with Bill Self. Well, that's the like, thing. So I mean, so D'Souza, Silvio D'Souza, uh, they applied to for him to become eligible again. And the NCAA said no, because we have this proof that there was a $25,000 wire to his parents, and there was a plan for a $100,000 payment over the next year. And everyone was like, oh, okay, so he's ineligible. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, what? And so, but again, nothing happened. KU, they haven't suspended anybody. D'Souza's not playing. And so I think the suspension of Will Wade, the suspension of Preston Murphy, is the first Corey time, Barker as well at yeah. TCU, who's the assistant coach. Right, right, also right. This is the, the f- this is the first time that I have seen universities, athletic directors, collectively go, "Oh yikes, there's some there's some stuff here that we need to make sure is cool and make sure you know we might need to make some decisions." Um, and so for me, that was that it was surprising to getting that alert to me of that like, "Oh, Preston Murphy, oh wow," um, because I think because I I. Could, Schools hadn't taken it seriously, I don't yeah. think. Um, well, now, to be fair, um, Christian Dawkins is on trial for, um, he's charged with bribery. And in the initial indi- indictment um, back in September of 2017, mm-hmm. he was accused of bribing three assistant coaches, one at Arizona, Oklahoma State, and USC. Mm-hmm. And those three assistant coaches were arrested. True, that's true. And then fired. You're, you're correct. And yeah. then there was another assistant coach at Auburn. Um, who 
was arrested and fired mm-hmm. for allegedly taking bribes, and Rick Pitino got fired. True. So those that's are, true. but that's it. But and, and then this maybe is the second wave though. And and then I think Alabama may have fired a director of ops. So mm-hmm. that's about it though yeah. in terms of clear action being taken and. Uh, so now I should say some players had to sit out. I think USC sat out yeah, a guy. Yeah. Auburn sat some guys Which out. Which is a whole nother. Yeah, but so but in terms of coaches being implicated in rules violations and then also facing punishment, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, while yeah, I I do I get it from that standpoint of wow, this is kind of maybe a a, a change in how yeah. teams are or programs are viewing it, but also I'm like. There's a history. It's, 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 it's happened yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. it's in an indictment, right. it's kind of hard to... I mean, you, it, it really sort of forces you to take a hard look at it. Right. And so Creighton will do that. And if, if indeed it's true, like, if that happened, I mean, I, I think that you, you have to fire Preston Murphy. Sure. So, um, but, but we'll so, find so out what's more. So what's the timeline for the future? I mean, there's probably nothing going to happen anytime soon. Well, yeah, I, d- I don't think that anything happens until the trial, and the Which trial is, is April 22nd, and you would imagine that, I mean, there's a, Will Wade's, and uh, LSU's coach Will Wade, um, Arizona's coach Sean Miller, they're going to, they, it's already been reported that they're going to be subpoenaed, subpoenaed to testify. Mm-hmm. Um, you would imagine that Preston Murphy would be subpoenaed to testify. He's in this indi- indictment. Mm-hmm. He is, um, he had, what was his number, 59 calls between May and July with with Christian Dawkins, according to an ESPN report um, that analyzed Dawkins's call logs, this was like twenty seven, the summer of twenty seventeen. So Brian Bowen, who Creighton was recruiting, was had committed to Louisville, and then, or or was maybe at the tail end of his recruitment, and then decided late at the last second to go to Louisville, mm-hmm. and then Justin Patton was going pro, or he had already turned here, he announced that he, he was going pro. But um, Justin Patton was being represented by this Christian Dawkins dude, and Christian Dawkins was also managing B- Bowen's recruitment under or behind the scenes. So there, and, and and Dawkins and Preston Murphy have a history; they grew up in the same right town, Saginaw, Michigan. So you understand like, why there'd be contact, but um, still, that I think that if I'm either side, mm-hmm. if I'm a part of the defense or if I'm part of the prosecution, don't you want to talk to one of the guys that spoke with? You know this guy who's on trial often, right? Like Preston right. Murphy talked to him a lot, so why would? And he's a coach, so I think it's going to serve whatever happened, yeah, or whatever those conversations were like. You would think would serve the case in one way or the other. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I would yeah. imagine I would be imagine that Preston Murphy would get subpoenaed. There's yeah. a possibility that Greg McDermott could get su- subpoenaed because again, Creighton recruited the kid who Christian Dawkins was managing, yeah, uh, behind the scenes, and and one of its and its top player signed with the agency that Christian Dawkins worked for. Right. And so Greg McDermott was in contact with Christian yeah. Dawkins. So yeah. you would imagine that, that there's a real possibility where a couple of Creighton coaches could be on the witness stand testifying about, you know, what, what actually did go down yeah. during the calendar year of 2017. It's crazy. So, and I tell you but what, I think it could be a good thing though. No, I, it I, could it, be a good just, thing because it could, well, certainly, it's going to be a good thing for folks who want answers because I've heard from yeah. a lot of Creighton fans who are just like, "Please tell me what's going on." Yeah, and why can't we just get to the bottom of this? Yeah, but there's a legal process that's playing out, so yeah, a lot of people are, are are trying to make sure that they don't sort of stub their toe and say something that they uh, could be used against them. Mm-hmm. 
but I think that there are a lot, yeah, there, so there's that idea of once that trial happens, we'll be able to have some sort of sense of finality to it, whether yeah. one way or the other, yeah. whether rules were broken, whether people need to get fired, or whether this was a lot of smoke and maybe something happened, but we can't prove it, or whether there was nothing here, and, and yeah. they just kind of got roped into something that, bad timing sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I tell you what. Creighton is in a situation that's not great, but they ain't Will Wade, right? And you can hang your hat on that, right? But like, but I think, I, here's I, my counter argument, though, or just a counterpoint, is that the FBI has a lot more evidence. Yeah, that's that true. It hasn't yet unveiled. That's true. And so we don't know what's we don't know what it is. Maybe that evidence is vindicative in a, in a, in, a, in a form. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the defense has something that that vindicates. Uh, Creighton's coaches. That's what I mean. Like, with Will, with but, Will Wade and LSU, it feels like... Oh, you're we, saying we that kinda, it's already... You already know. I feel like with Will Wade and LSU, <laughs> okay. it's like, well, I can pick... I, I can A to B. He did this. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to do this. I get that. With yeah. Creighton, there's a lot of fog still. Mm. With Will Wade, it's like, well, he was trying to buy a player, wasn't he, huh? <laughs> How about that? With Creighton, we still don't really know what happened. Right. Um, but to, what Tom what Tom wrote, I, I thought was, was pretty valuable. Just kind of... It is interesting that this is happening around the time that Creighton is moving conferences and they're trying to kind of play the game and try and kind of whatever. Um, and maybe they were trying to do something. Maybe they weren't. Um, but it's, it's when I said crazy, like two minutes ago, I was just thinking to myself, like, man, like, can you imagine Craig McDermott on the stand? Or can you imagine just the fact that we're going to have, Will Wade or Sean Miller on the stand for something yeah, like this, like happen. this is crazy significant. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Definitely. And, the the attorney for Christian Dawkins told Yahoo Sports that he wants to pull back the curtains, like he's going to try to get as many coaches on the stand as he can. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not just Creighton that's going to be impacted; it's going to be a lot of schools. And so, yeah. um, I mean, I, I, it doesn't seem too far fetched to have a scenario where Bill Self is on the stand, I'm you know, abs- or or one not. of the Kansas assistant coaches or um, coaches down in Miami who've kind of been roped into this and yeah. haven't necessarily been tied to it uh, closely. Uh, USC, I mean, there's been four assistant coaches who've lost their jobs, but there are a lot of head coaches that you would think have um, knowledge of, knowledge the of what's yeah. going on and how, what their assistant coaches are doing yeah. on the recruiting trail. Yeah. And um, they have some questions to answer, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it could get... Uh, and here's the other thing, too. We could learn a lot. And I know we're going super long, but hopefully people enjoy this. But if you're an athletic director, right? And not, this isn't even Nebraska-specific, but if you're an athletic director anywhere, you're trying to hire a college basketball coach. You have to try and figure out if the coach that you hire is about to be subpoenaed. (laughs) Or you you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of really good mid-major coaches and a lot of really good power five coaches that could go to other schools. But like, you know, Mark Turgeon at Maryland right now, um, he, you know, search his name on Twitter sometime. Fans hate him. Yeah, yeah. And he, he reportedly doesn't have a really good relationship with his president and the chancellor and so like maybe he's trying to go somewhere else maybe he's trying to go to ucla or do whatever but he is kind of involved in this a little bit in maryland has been like loosely accused they yeah. don't have any under nothing, armor nothing specifically they don't but, have any under armor like employees on the right. witness stand but some but, adidas guys have said under armor pays players too nike right. plays pay, pays right. too so and knows? sylvia D'Souza's handler Bruno Fernando, same guy yeah yeah so and, and this is you know this isn't anything about nebraska just to a certain extent of like it, it creates such a bigger deal of every aspect of college basketball is going to be just so different. You do wonder how this, much you know? it's going to impact the coaching because, you know, Sean Miller had a, he had comments after right. the game 
um, their senior night where it was sort of, you know, it felt almost like a like, farewell thank you, yeah, speech. Thank you for the 10 years mm-hmm. here. I've enjoyed it. Me and my family love you guys. And and it's possible that, you know, maybe maybe Arizona, there's already something in the works where Arizona's made the decision. But right. may, it's possible that Arizona hasn't made a decision, and it won't until after that trial. Right. After he testifies. And then Arizona's like, hmm, I didn't like what he said. We got to fire him. Right. But that's, we're in May. Right. So then if Arizona has to make a coaching change, yeah. then the dominoes will fall again. So. Yeah. To your point, it, it, the coaching carousel, um, although maybe that's not the the main story out of this, but it's it, not. but it, it's but not. it is but like it is. It, it's 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 notable because this trial is going to affect more schools than just the ones that it that are implicated or the right. ones that are are brought up. Right. Um, it's going to affect a lot of, and then obviously it could affect legislation going forward. Right. Um, the the revelation of the FBI investigation prompted change so perhaps once we hear from coaches and learn even a little bit more about how the sausage has been being made over the past right. few years yeah maybe that prompts more change because obviously the whole ncaa element is something that we don't know how that's going to play out we well, we don't know how the trial is going to play out certainly but we also don't know how the ncaa is going to handle it and pick up the pieces once all this Evidence has been thrown out there. Just, just imagine that. Basically, the FBI is coming in and being like, "Hey, your house is a disaster," and then just bulldozes it and then leave. And then somebody's like, "I, all right, well, I was thinking we'll more. See how to pick it up." Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, it's kind of like if I being like, "Hey, we're gonna do your job for a little bit because you guys are so inadequate," and then make you fix it. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, for the NCA, from the NCA standpoint, they're probably like, "Okay." Yeah, I mean, they're probably fine with it, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, we were tired of living with the rats in, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the dirt, and it smelled really bad in this house, and we didn't know how to get rid of it. So thanks for knocking it down, and maybe yeah. we can rebuild. Um, but some people argue that they're just going to rebuild the same dirty house, so... They probably like, could. <laughs> like, I could totally... I mean, like, I, the NCAA doesn't make any sense anyway, so, like, wouldn't put it past. Right. So, yeah, it, obviously, um, I wish that, I, that there was more to, like, report concrete in regard to Creighton's involvement in this bribery scandal Mm -hmm. unfortunately um so far the the key pieces of i don't know i guess evidence or the key links to potential wrongdoings or the the key accusations that have been made that that you would circle and say with a a red pen and say "Uh uh-oh yikes creighton's got to worry about that Mm -hmm. one of them came from a play, Brian Bowen's father on a witness stand, and the other one came from an indictment mm-hmm. filed by federal prosecutors. So, what comes next? Mm-hmm. I don't know, and yeah. where it comes from, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But it could come at any time, yeah. and that—that's kind of been the way this process has worked out. It was way back in September of 2017 when we first learned of this FBI operation, and since then, it's sort of. You'll hear big news, big news dump or big story, um, and, then, and nothing. then nothing for two months, and yeah. then something leaks out, yeah. or the FBI or the federal government has new evidence that it wants to present, um, or a trial happens. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of been, uh, you know, you, you just sort of wait for the next wave to come because yeah. there's going to be another wave. Yeah. And this ain't over. I would imagine next month is. I would. I think it will be more impactful than the first trial or there. I think there's going to be a lot more headlines for sure. And I think 
it feels like there's going to be more schools wrapped roped into it but. yeah we'll get we'll get i feel like the, we'll get more names we'll get specifics we'll there will be it'll be blockbuster you I mean, would think so big, yeah which is what i think the defense wants and honestly it doesn't seem like the prosecution's that much against that either yeah, i think no. both sides feel that um they're that there that there was something wrong that happened here it just kind of depends on your perspective of right. who is at fault right right um all right. <laughs> this is okay. This March. People want basketball I talk. I, I hope think. so. I hope so. Yeah. Um, we'll be, hopefully we can get this podcast recorded next week. It's going to be a, a, a compact yeah, it's week. It's going to be a wild week. Um, but I think we can do it. Next time we talk, there will be an NCAA tournament bracket. Uh, I know. And that, that right there is enough in itself to talk that's about. That's a podcast. Uh, yeah. Nebraska might potentially no longer have a head coach. Mm-hmm. Creighton might be in the tournament. They might not be. Right. Could uh, be preparing for a first four game. We could I be think... talking about Nebraska going to Dayton after winning the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> Woo! They want to do that, though. If you win the Big Ten tournament, they want to put you in Dayton. They only put the, the yeah, at-large All right, but there, what do you do with a, with a 19 and 16 Nebraska team? You get the 11 seed, and you don't have to go to Dayton. Yeah, okay, maybe. Which is, I think, the, another thing with Creighton, too, is if it, it were to win the Big East tournament, I don't think it would have to go to Dayton, but I do kind of feel like if Creighton gets in the NCAA tournament without winning the Big East tournament, like might it to might Dayton. be Dayton. You and Tony Boom are going to Dayton. I don't know. UNO wouldn't have to go to Dayton. Okay, here's my thing. If UNO wins their, the Summit League, you don't think they'd be a 16 playing another 16 oh. in Dayton? I don't think they Would they fall that far? That's a good question. If they didn't win the Summit League. No, they did not win the Summit League. Um, and, the, and the only team that... The, the committee likes in the summer league is South Coast State. Yeah, but that, I mean, that makes sense, right? They're going to be like, who's Omaha? Yeah, I'll throw them to Dayton. They'll play, you know, some nobody. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a. Uh, Come on, you and Tony Boone can go hang out in Dayton. Bracket Matrix have, has them as a 15 seed. Okay, all right. So I don't think that they'll have to go that. Because, yeah, this, we got the swack and the, in the, in the. Yeah, that's true. The MAC, Metro Athletic. Um, but a lot, there'll be a lot to talk about. Oh, and who knows? Maybe yeah. more, uh, maybe more FBI federal investigation. We're not going to be bribery uh, scandal stuff too. There's uh, hold on, let me check. There's uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm under, I'm under 80 days until my vacation, and I think there's going to be 71. Nice. So we'll have. Whew, it's going to be a, it's going to be a packed 71. Definitely will be. Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Or thanks for joining me. Yeah. Um, returning. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, no Nebraska or Creighton, we didn't do it. You want you want to pick? Oh, Creighton ones, I think. I got Creighton yeah. too. Especially if Mitch Ballack hits like even half of... Oh, how do we... We didn't even talk about that, by the way. Yeah, That's holy right. cow, man. So much going on. All right. <laughs> Unreal shooting performance, 11 to 12. Don't I can't think... do 11 to 12 anything. I can't put 12 steps You in could row. probably get 11 out of 12 layups. Probably. Yeah, Am I standing in the same spot or do I have to like go back to the three-point line and then go and back. dribble in. You know what was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen? That Omaha South kid who made that layup to win state running full speed. You know how hard that is? It's tough. Anyway. And the pressure of the moment, you got the defense closing in on you. I played varsity basketball. I'm throwing that thing off the backboard. It's going the other way. Yeah. Like 10 feet. Man, that was, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> we need to stop talking. That's too good. Thanks, Next guys. week. <laughs> <laughs>